This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. Are you ready to take your multifamily game to the next level? Well, you need to join us October 12th, Saturday, October 12th, for our one-day multifamily foundation workshop. We're going to bring it to you live. We got a list of 15 speakers that are going to go through the process of everything it takes to get your mind right, get the deal right, learn the terms, understand the markets, learn how to find the deals, learn how to underwrite the deals, learn how to put your team together, everything from property managers to brokers to insurance companies. Beyond that, what's the proper way to raise funds for a deal and how to close a deal and what to do after you take over a deal. So it's going to be a huge event. It's going to be awesome for you to join us. Got a great space. It's going to be here in New Jersey, in Springfield, New Jersey. Of course, it's going to be a one-day event, but we got everything packed in from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right now, if you put in the code workshop, you're going to get a special discount. And again, that code is workshop, but you need to go to multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com and go fast because we've sold a ton of tickets for this. I actually was able to get a bigger room, so but that's filling up quickly as well. So again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Put in the code uh, workshop. There we go. Got that down and look forward to seeing you so we can all take massive action together. Well, hello again and welcome to the Real Estate Foundation podcast. Super excited for today's show. We are going to talk multifamily action, which we love to bring you. So today we have Juan Vargas on the show. Hey, Juan, how you doing? Hey, Jason, man, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show, man. I, you know, it's, it's an honor. Uh, you know, I've listened to you um, right before we started recording, I even you know told you, man. I I first listened to you and uh, learned a little bit more about you on on another podcast. Uh, this is you know maybe a couple of years back, and so um, I love what what you were doing, all the the advice and all the uh, value that you brought. And, uh, you know, you brought a lot of inspiration, you know, to a lot of people, including myself. So I you know I, I want to tell you that uh, up front. Um, and, you know, I do appreciate the opportunity to be on your show as well. Well, thank you for that. And you're taking massive action. So I'm excited. Uh, Juan actually just closed the deal Friday, I believe. So there's been a lot happening in these last few years here. And Juan has been actively engaged in all aspects of real estate sales, investment, management, financing, construction for more than 10 years. He's acquired residential lots, four single family homes, and multitudes of multifamily properties, as we'll get into later. He has experience with residential as well as commercial, including individually owning and managing a 32-unit multifamily property. And this has allowed him the opportunity to gain firsthand valuable experience in running and operating a property. And his company, Genwealth Capital, has ownership currently in over 1,900 units. So, Juan, this is awesome. And, you know, you said off air that that 32 unit was, it was a deal that actually was the first one out there. But, but talk to us about, you know, who is Juan Vargas? Like, where did, where did you start and what was the draw to multifamily property? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, thanks for that. So, so yeah, um, you know, who is Juan Vargas? You know, uh, just just a normal guy, a normal guy, you know, out of uh, out of Texas. Um, and so, uh, you know, I guess I can start from the very beginning. Um, very beginning was, you know, my my dad was a hard worker. He was a welder. He always worked hard, and and he had some rental properties, you know, uh, as well as a child that had, uh, you know, I was around him, you know. But uh, the, what he did was. He would do everything himself. So he would find the up the the property, do the rehab, you know, do the maintenance, pretty much doing everything. And I remember him telling me one time when we were younger, he was like, "Man, when you get older, you need to buy some houses." 
you know, buy some real estate, buy some houses. And then at that time, you know, I was like, man, I don't want to be underneath a sink. You know, like is this, this is my picture of, you know, houses is being underneath the sink, you know, and, and doing these kind of repairs. I just don't want to do that. You know, um, to fast forward, you know, I still ended up being underneath, uh, like, uh, hoods of cars because I went to go work for a BMW, you know, so I did that because I wanted to uh, find something quick, uh, something, uh, that wouldn't take, you know, four years, a traditional four year college. Uh, so I, I decided to do something that was, you know, one, the, the, a year and a half, two years, um, at, at most. And then, uh, you know, you can start making some money you know, quickly after that. So I, I went to go work for BMW. I did that uh, for a good while. Um, but during that time, you know, I had, I got married, you know, I had three kids. Um, and so I was spending a lot of time at work and not, you know, time with my kids. And that's the same thing that my dad was kind of doing with us. Uh, he didn't really spend time with us. It was all about work and business with him, you know? And so, you know, it was more of a, uh, what can I do at this point, you know, to be able to create some kind of, uh, some more time, some passive income. And that's when real estate kept popping up. And, and that's when I, I got my, my start into, uh, into real estate. Wow. And so, I mean, you got a full family, you got a full-time job and there's a lot of people listening to this that, that are in that same position right now. They, they have so much going on and they're, they're not getting the time they want with their kids. They're not being able to set themselves up. Well, with all that going on, how did you find time for real estate? Yeah. And so you just can't make excuses. You know, you, you, you cannot make excuses. You have to want it. Um, you have to want it really bad. Right. And so for me, um, because I was working all day long, pretty much, you know, leaving the house at, you know, at six o'clock, six thirty, uh, and then, and then getting home like at seven o'clock or whatever. Right. So it was, it was long hours for sure. Uh, but you know, I found uh, time during my lunch hour, right. During my lunch hour, during my breaks, you know, and you know, that's when you're, instead of, you know, being on your phone and just chit chatting, you know, you have to be on the, on the phone, uh, making calls. And that's the kind of things that, that I was doing, you know, and, and reviewing this learning more, just, there's always things you can be doing, use your time wisely. Um, and, and like, as I said, you know, I, I really wanted to make it work and, and really wanted to make it happen. Um, and so just kind of, you know, those excuses, they, they come up, but you got to push them out the, out the way, you know, and, uh, that's kind of, kind of the way it was for me and, and weekends as well, you know, weekends. Yeah. You, you can be doing something else and hanging out and just, drinking or going out, whatever you want to do, but, or you could be spending your time wisely and, and educating yourself and learning and listening to podcasts, like, like the one that Jason, you know, puts together. Um, but you know, those are the kind of things that, uh, that I did, you know, and, and yeah. uh, you know, that's how I kind of pieced together, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was just, uh, just making it happen. Yeah. You found time and that's awesome. People say there's no time, but if you break down what you're actually doing in the day, there's always time and you use that time to your best advantage. And so did you follow the steps your dad was doing or what were those first steps in the real estate? What did that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, I did get my start in, in single family, right? So single family. And that was because, you know, I was just barely learning about multifamily and, you know, also because I just felt that multifamily was not for me. Why it wasn't it for me at that time? Well, because it was psychological. It was like, well, mm. these are owned by super duper wealthy people and, and big companies and all this and that. I didn't even know what the word syndication meant, you know? Um, I didn't even know that word existed. So, so I got my, my start um, with, with single family, right? So, um, and I'll tell you the story real quick on that. You know, and, you know I, was, um, I was vacant in one of my houses. I only had, a, you know, a couple of houses, but I was, uh, I was vacant in one of my houses and then you know, guess what happens when you're vacant? You're 100% vacant on, on a single family house because there's only one tenant living in your house, right? Uh, or one paying tenant or whatever you want to say. Um, and so I was vacant in the house. And then, you know, sure enough after that, well, guess who's paying for the, the expenses, man? Who's paying for the mortgage? Who's paying for yeah. the utilities? 
as this guy. And so that was my, my aha moment into like, hey, I really need to do this multifamily thing because if, if I'm down one unit on a, on a 10 unit, I'm still 90% occupied, you know, and, and you scale bigger, you're one, down, you're one unit down on a, on a 100 unit, you're still 99% occupied. And that was my, my thinking. I'm like, man, this already way, makes way more sense than a single family house, you know? Um, and so that's how I got my, my start into, into multifamily in the 32 unit. It's funny. We have a similar story. We were investing uh, for these smaller multifamilies out of say like twos and threes. And, you know, you just have one unit that's vacant. All of a sudden now you're 50% occupied and you're just like, well, this is not covered it. Right. And so that was the dawn. I was like, well, what if you, you buy a hundred unit? What does that look like? Well, then I got 99 and I got one vacancy. Okay. Well, that's a different picture. What does it take to get those steps? So yes. You move from that and you jump into a 32 unit. I tell us, tell us the story. Like, how does this transpire that you find this property and take it down? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when when I first started learning about you know multifamily, you know, everybody kept saying, "Well, reach out to brokers. They're they're the ones that control the deals." You know, reach out to brokers, build relationships with them, and that's all solid, solid advice. Uh, but for me, you know, I didn't necessarily know so much about you know, teamwork, like, you know, like in multifamily, a lot of it is a, is a team sport, right? So for me, I was like, okay, well, how can I, you know, me, how can I go to one of these brokers and, and, and have them send me a deals, right? So, you know, that's what I did. I, I met up with them. I, you know, try to build those relationships. Uh, but still they, they would send me deals that even then I knew that the, man, these aren't really deals, man. These are deals that, that you're finding on LoopNet, this thing called LoopNet, you know, and um, you know, that's where, you know, deals are, don't really, if you find opportunities there on LoopNet, they're not really deals per se. You know, most of the time they're not going to be solid deals. Sometimes it will, uh, but not all the time. And so, you know, I wasn't finding luck, you know, and, and so I was like, you know what, forget about this, man. You know, what can I do? I was in a single family space, you know, I was writing letters. I was doing all that good stuff. So I was like, what if I, what if I do this in, in the multifamily side and, and I write letters and, and I send them out to the owners and all that good stuff. Right. And let's see what happens there. And, and that's how I acquired my 32 unit was through direct mail. Um, you know, so, uh, and the, the way I, you know, set up my list was, you know, I went to the county assessor's website, right. And I put, I put together some, some zip codes, uh, that I wanted to buy properties in, right. Specific zip codes. And within those zip codes, um, there was a properties that I was looking for that were no older, uh, or, or sorry, that were owned for, you know, three years or longer. Um, and the reason for that is because I, you know, I felt that, Hey, in three years, uh, the, you know, the, the ownership group or the, or the owner has already uh, owned it long enough. They've already, you know, done some things to it. Uh, maybe increase the value. Maybe they're ready for a sale, right? Or maybe it didn't work out for them and they're ready for a sale. So I was kind of waiting for like maybe th- three to three years plus is kind of what my time frame was. And then obviously there's the physical characteristics that you look for and, and they try to, you know, uh, also have like as a filter was, you know, 1970 and above, you know, and, and those kind of things uh, just to p- try to prevent like maybe tillers and all the good, the good things. Uh, but anyway, uh, long story short, you know, that's how I was able to put my, my list together and, and um, you know, have a, a, a owner call me back and, you know, and they're ready for, for, for a sale. Oh, that's awesome. So, so we haven't touched a lot on, on actually direct mail to multifamily. So is this like a traditional letter you were sending out to like a single family home or was it a more professional letter? And, and give us some of the verbiage and how, how many letters did you send out to start getting the, re, the desired response? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I would say that I was, I was kind of lucky. Um, and so, you know, I, I was sending out a bunch of them, you know, I was, and I can't tell you the exact number, but I, I know it was hundreds of them. Cause yeah. you know, I, I don't remember the exact number. I, I know it was, it was, it was hundreds of them. And you know, I was handwriting these letters. Oh, wow. So at first what I did was, was I printed, you know, print something out and I send those in. 
Um, but you know, I didn't really get any, any response. But once I started to handwrite these letters, um, and it was me actually handwriting these letters. Um, then I started getting some phone calls and some emails and, and, and those kind of things. Cause I had on my, in my call to action, I had my phone number and I had my email, uh, just pretty much said, you know, Hey, if you're interested in selling, uh, you know, here's the, here you can reach me out here. Uh, but, um, but yeah, they're all handwritten. And, and I guess the language in the letters was, Hey, um, I'm a, I'm an active uh, real estate investor. Um, you know, I am looking to expand into this, uh, this submarket. Um, we are able to, to close on a, on a multifamily property. And, you know, just, just try, what I try to did was I try to do was find out what their pain points could be, um, and make sure that I address those. Um, and some of those pain points was, you know, uh, you know, uh, the uh, closing costs, you know, was uh, in my language, I put on there that I would take care of a lot of the closing costs, um, that, that I would um, also put down some hard money if needed. Uh, so those are the kind of things because they don't know who you are. So they want to make sure that you can, you can close as well. And uh, I'll, I'll also put on there that I would pay um, market value for these properties. You know, that's the kind of things that I, the key words that I put in there, you know, yeah. And that's incredible. And so you get this 32 unit, the owner of this 32 unit to give you a call and it, what was the negotiation process and, and, and how did you know how to, how to underwrite the property? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as underwriting, um, and you know, then I was just using a, like a regular cookie cutter type of spreadsheet. Um, and so I was like, okay, okay. For me, it makes sense if, if I, I take my, all my income, all my rents and, and other income or sources or whatever. And then I have, you know, take away all my expenses, what is left over and can I cover my mortgage? So I would say, hey, if I'm buying at this price, you know, I'm looking at a mortgage calculator, uh, amortization calculator. And that's, that's pretty much the way I did it. It was a pretty much very simple cookie cutter. Uh, and then there was still some meat left at the bottom. I'm like, man, this, this thing makes sense, you know? Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's the way I did it. Right. So, um, as far as the, uh, the owner, uh, and negotiations, uh, that was another learning process there. So what I, what I did there was, uh, I made sure that I, that I met with them in person, um, uh, because it was more local, right? So I met with them in person, I built that rapport. Um, so whenever I met with the, uh, the seller, it was a husband and wife. And, and so, because I knew that there was a husband and wife involved, I made sure that to bring my wife along the way as well. So I didn't just go by myself and say, hey, this is just some random dude that's trying to just uh, low, low ball offers or whatever. Um, I brought my wife and what I did, what I did actually was that built even more rapport because my wife is a nurse and then, and then uh, the seller's daughter was a nurse. And, and so they, they live in the same area that we live that we came to find out. And it was a lot of similarities, a lot of rapport, and that's how they felt comfortable. You know, and, and they knew that I didn't, hadn't done a deal before in multifamily, uh, but they were willing to give us a chance because they, they, they felt... Um, they felt some report, they felt some connection, uh, and they, and they felt the, 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 uh, the hunger and, and the, uh, the drive that we had. And so they wanted to give us a chance. This story keeps getting better and better. So, so here you are, you're taking consistent, persistent action, right? You're sending a letter out that's typed and it doesn't work. So you could have just stopped there. Then you start saying, okay, I'll send out handwritten letters. Okay, great. And then you get to get the call across and you have all these parts here from underwriting to negotiating that you had a learning curve to the point, uh, you know, that you have to learn that you could have just said, ah, you know, it's just too much. I don't understand. I don't know the answer. So I'm just going to stop. But I, the moral of the story here is you just said, I'm just going to figure it out and bringing your wife. I mean, 
that that's just beyond smart, but also just just great in the point of building relationships, right? And now you become more presentable, and you're not just a guy who's trying to be a shark and get a deal. You're out there trying to one learn to them, saying, and you're not boasting like I have a million properties when you don't. You're you're just talking, being honest with them. This is our first deal. We, we love the area. We have similar backgrounds. We want to make this happen. So you, you take the property down, did and what was the repositioning player? What did you do with the property? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the property itself, I mean, we uh, rehabbed a uh, majority of the units, um, you know, or a big portion of the units. Uh, we did exterior renovations, um, you know, and just cleaned the place up. Right. So it, it was in, in need of, um, I mean, there's a lot of deferred maintenance. Um, and so it was a need of, uh, you know, clean up in, in a fresh look. Um, and so we went in there and, uh, you know, landscaping, you know, painting, um, you know, roof, you know, repairs, uh, you know, uh, office, it had like, like a, an off, it was on site, but it was like a, like a storage building that was being used as an office. Um, went in there, you know, and, and fixed that up and, uh, interior units and all that good, good things. And, uh, that's how we were able to add value to the property, but, uh, naturally organically, we were able also to, to raise the rents because the, the owner hadn't raised the rents in forever. Uh, so we were able to go in there and raise the rents uh, organically even before the upgrade. So it was a, it was a good play, good solid play there. Um, and yeah. And how'd you finance it and fund it? I jumped the gun here because people are probably listening. Well, well, it's his first deal. It's a 32 unit. You know, he's going from single families to here and all of a sudden he buys a 32 unit building. Well, how does this happen? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a very good question. So, um, and that's another story in itself, actually. Um, so, you know, once I talked to the owners, I was like, Hey, I, you know, they, they believed in me, you know, they, they want to give me a shot. So I was like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to make this happen. And, and so what I started doing uh, right there and there was, was calling, you know, uh, different lenders and they're like, Oh, well, this is, this is a purchase price of, uh, of a million. That's what the purchase price was. It was, it was a million. Uh, the, the loan amount uh, was going to be about 800 million or 800,000. I'm sorry. Um, and so, you know, Fannie and Freddie, they, they try, tried to stay above a million loan amounts. Right. So it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to be something that they were going to want willing to do. Uh, and then a lot of the banks that I went to that I was calling, they were like, Hey, yeah, you know, you don't have any experience, you know? Uh, so we really don't want to, or we can't, we can't do this. So I was getting a bunch of no's all over the place, all over the place. Uh, but uh, I think I talked to like 12, 11 or 12 different lenders. Um, and on the last, last one, I was actually on my way home. So I live in Houston. I was on my way home. And I was like, man, what about this bank? You know, let me just stop by and just see what these guys are about. And, you know, I, I exited because my exit was coming up. I was, you know, just exited real quick. And then I, I went in there and, um, and, I, and I said, hey, can I speak to someone that's in the commercial lending department? And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's, he's right here. His, uh, his name is uh, Greg. Okay, cool. Uh, I went in there, hey, Greg, how's it going? And I told him, you know, what I was doing, what I was looking for. <clears throat> he was like, sure, you know, um, you know, tell me more about that. And so what I had was I had everything in order. So this is something that, you know, maybe people can pick up as well. Is if you're going to talk to a lender that you haven't done business with before, make sure you have everything in order. So for me, I had all my financials. I had information about the, the, the property itself, pictures. I had, um, you know, my financials. I had my, my, my business plan, what I was willing to do. I had, you know, pretty much everything that, that, I, that, I, that I could think of uh, to, to help him make a more educated you know, decision on his part, you know? And then he's like, man, how many banks have you been to? I'm like, man, at least, you know, 11 or so, you know, maybe 12. Wow. He's like, okay, well, let me, um, let me go out there tomorrow. I'll go, I'll go drive out there and then uh, I'll get back with you and, and I'll let you know uh, tomorrow, you know, no, no later than tomorrow. I was like, okay, cool. That's better than a no, you know, at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so then he, he goes out there the next day and he checks it out and he's like, man, let's do this. I like the deal. 
you know, I appreciate everything that you, you, uh, you brought to me. You look prepared. Uh, you look like you're ready. Uh, let's, let's make this happen. I'm going to help you. And so that was, that's how I, I actually got it. It was, a, it was an actual uh, local uh, bank uh, loan. That's you know, how, that's how. And you only need one yes, right? And we're so afraid to get the no. And when we hear yeah. that first no, it hurts. and We don't want to get another no. But if, if you only need one yes. And you just that, kept going. I mean, you, you just could have just kept driving. Oh, okay, I got 100 no's. I guess I can't. You know, I'm just going to go home. And I've been there, right? But it only takes that one yes. So that's awesome. And, and so you get into this deal. You, you rehab it. And I, how long did you hold it for? Because eventually you sold the property, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we held it for a little uh, under uh, a couple of years. Wow. Um, and so we, yeah, it was, it was short, um, you know, for us. So, so I did bring in a partner, you know, and, and he's a good, a real good friend of mine. He's actually invested in, in several of my, my other deals and uh, syndications that I've done, you know, since then. Uh, but, um, you know, we, uh, we partner on that deal and, and he's, he's an actual general contractor on the single family things. Right. So, uh, he does a lot of work in commercial in the commercial space now these days, but, uh, you know, we pretty much t- talked about it and he's like, yeah, man, I want to, I want to go in with you guys and, um, you know, like that, it, it helps to reduce our, our risk. And then, you know, he's able to make some money and return as well. So, so we were able to uh, knock it down together, you know, that's how we were able to do it. Um, and so, um, yeah, we ended up holding it for, um, I want to say like 19, 20 months, something like wow. that. Um, and so, so yeah, the returns were pretty strong. Um, and so, you know, uh, it was a good, uh, good first deal. Uh, what looking back, you know, it, it was a sale, but, uh, it was also a good opportunity to uh, do a refi. Mm-hmm. And, and so we looked at both options. Um, you know, sometimes I kind of regret, you know, not doing a refi because it was such a good little property. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you know, I'm doing bigger deals now. And so it's, it's okay. You know, um, you know, and then it, it took, it did take some time, you know, so it, there's time that, that, that goes involved into those kind of deals those smaller deals, uh, that a lot of people don't, don't really think about from the very beginning. Uh, it's a lot more time intensive, you know, and so I'm able to, uh, save a lot of that time, you know, get it back. Yeah, dude, home run deal. I mean, you you started your whole career from it with the multifamily. You get into it, you have a whole play out, and you even show an exit now that you can show to people that you've gone through a cycle with the property. And mm-hmm. just for people, I mean, we we're, we can go down a list of other properties involved with here, but just to even jump forward to today, he they recently acquired a two hundred thirty six unit uh, last week, I believe, and I'm out of state. So so how has the philosophy changed? Because you've had a number of different properties that you've now been involved in going for. Uh, so how did that 32 unit help as a stepping stone or a stepping stool to get you forward, to leap forward through all these other properties now to something as large as a 236 unit? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it really did help a lot. You know, and I, you know, I would say, you know, it's not hundred percent necessary for, for anybody listening. I mean, do I have to have a smaller deal before I get into a larger deal? Not necessarily, you know, not necessarily. Uh, does it help? Yeah, it, it definitely does help, you know, because I mean, it's not going to hurt you. I mean, you know, even if you do happen to uh, make mistakes on that property, that, that actually ultimately helps you, you know, because you're able to learn from those mistakes. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think for me, it was, uh, you know, I started with that 32 unit, you know, because, you know, through direct mail, uh, but it also uh, was good because I was able to, to learn a lot from it from, from an operation standpoint, you know, be, being responsible, you know, uh, you know, treating the, the tenants uh, like, like, like real people, not just like, you know, people that just, just pay you or whatever, um, you know, create a community, you know, those kind of things, you know, so I see it from, from that standpoint, you know, um, you know, you want to make it a better community, right? So yeah. better community is going to be better for the people. It's going to be better for, for investors, better for, for business overall, you know, and, um, th- those are some of the, the biggest things that, that I learned, you know, and, um, uh, just not be afraid of taking action, you know? So, uh, 32 unit, I mean, there's work involved. 
there's a 236 unit, there's work involved, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can argue that, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, maybe, you know, almost as equal in, in you know, in a 32 unit versus a 236 unit. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of it is similarities, you know, so it's it just don't be afraid to take action. And uh, regardless of the, of the size, obviously be, be, you know, have common sense, you know, you can't, if you can't take down a 5,000 unit property, don't go after that. But like, uh, you know, something that's reasonable, right? So um, that, that's what I would say. Yeah, it's all mental, right? I mean, you, you have issues and, and just conflicts and things you have to grow with, whether you're doing a 50 unit, you know, a 100 unit or a 500 unit, but as the economy scale grow, I mean, so if you feel comfortable, you can only do a five unit, that, that's great. But look at the numbers, at least give yourself the chance to understand why that if you can just get your mind past that speed bump of a five unit, get to, you know, get to a 50, unit, get to a 100 unit, why it starts opening up a lot more doors for you. So, you know, congrats. That, that's, that's just awesome. And just, just one other question about this is so you're, you're local in Texas and you, you have a lot of properties that you've, you've invested in Texas, but you've started to move out of state, which, which is almost contrary to so many people that are, that are want to get into Texas. So talk to me about that. Why, why are you doing that? And uh, this recent property was in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. Yeah. So, you know, I love Texas, you know, Texas born and raised, you know, um, right outside of Houston. Um, you know, this is home for me, you know, and you know, so that being said, you know, uh, we have been very fortunate, uh, you know, in Texas, you know, there's been, we've had a lot of, you know, job growth, you know, and, and what happens with job growth, it creates population growth. And, and what happens with population growth, it, it creates, um, you know, demand for, for housing, you know, so it's, it's just, uh, you know, um, you know, one thing leads to another, right? So, um, you know, we have been, you know, actively uh, looking for properties here in, in Houston, uh, DFW, um, even San Antonio, uh, but just, you know, it, it's highly competitive, you know, because, you know, if, if, you know, a lot of people out there like it, you know, we, we like it too, right? But it's very competitive as well. Um, and so one of the markets that we were looking at, like on the side was was Phoenix, Arizona, because it has a lot of the same similarities. It's got job growth, population growth, rent growth, you know, you name it. You know, it's got a lot, a lot of it right now. Um, and, you know, last year, if I'm not mistaken, it, it was right there neck and neck with uh, Las Vegas for the, the highest rent growth um, yeah. year over year, you know? So it's just, it's just one of those, you know, crazy markets right now and it's doing really well. Um, and, and, you know, what's crazy about it as well is that, that they don't have an oversupply, you know, so, so, you know, that's why they're having those huge uh, rent bumps as well. Uh, but it was a market that I was looking at, you know, from the corner of my eye and, and just kept, kept uh, you know, uh, occasionally looking at deals. <clears throat> and then, you know, we weren't finding anything here in Texas. So then I started more aggressively looking there. Um, and that's how we were able to, um, to land the next deal, which was in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, which you know, actually tomorrow I'll be flying out, you know, to uh, uh, check it out and, and uh, meet with the, uh, uh, the owner, I mean, the, the, the management team and all that good stuff, you know, and that's um, incredible. Yeah, so, so yeah, just, you, you got to look at those, those, uh, those economic drivers that, that really make it a, a more, I wouldn't say, you know, hundred percent safe, but it makes it a more, um, um, you're not necessarily going off of speculation. You're going off of numbers, real numbers, you know? Yeah. You're seeing the opportunity and you're really just grasping on the opportunity. So yeah, great work. And so, Hey, we're going to jump over to the snap section question. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, best piece of advice that I have ever received is to take action. You know, that is, is simply just to take action. Um, and I would say, that, you know, you can learn as much as you can. You can sit there and read and, and um, you have to be willing to pull that trigger, you know, and that's what you got to do. Take action. Yeah, you're a testament to that. What's a talent you wish you would possess? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if it's, um, um, yeah, a talent that I wish to possess. Um, 
I don't know, is it something that's in real estate related or something no, outside? Real- it could be anything. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I really haven't thought about this. So I would say, I mean, uh, I want to learn to be, be a better swimmer. You know, there you I, go. I've been practicing to, to, to do these triathlons. And, awesome. and, and I actually backed out of one because I'm not a good swimmer. You know, so I can swim like a lap or two and then I'm like, like breathing so hard. So, um, yeah, it's definitely swimming is, is a weakness of mine. You are right there with me. So I do, do a lot of long distance running. I do a lot of uh, biking. Swimming is by far my weakest. However, my wife is born and raised in Hawaii. So my kids are, are little little fish. So, so they swim around. So, so one, I've been in the pool because like every time I do a triathlon, I, I, I literally get crushed on the swim and then crushed on the bike and the run. So I'm right there with you. So I, that's, that's a perfect response. Awesome, with, awesome. What's your real estate superpower? Um, real estate superpower is, is connections, you know, building connections, uh, connecting with, uh, with people. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize it before, you know, maybe three, four years ago, uh, that, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually decent with people. Um, and, and I didn't realize it before because of my, my, um, uh, the circumstances I was in with, with the job, you know, and, and the environment I was in, you're kind of more, more enclosed, um, and you don't get to, uh, to kind of get free to be out there. And, and I realized that that's actually one of my strengths and, and, uh, Underwriting has, has become a, a strength of mine as well, uh, you know, over time as well. So, What's a lesson learned uh, throughout this process that you can share with the listeners? Um, a lesson learned throughout the process is that you can never uh, stop learning, for sure. Um, uh, going back to that 32 unit, um, you know, for example, um, you know, one mistake that I made on that, a uh, specific mistake that I made on that was I didn't account for CapEx, you know, um, and so... You know, a lot of the, the uh, repairs and CapEx that we did was coming out of cash flow. Um, that was a big no-no. So do not do that. Uh, make sure you account for the CapEx up front. Um, like awesome. that you can retain that cash flow. So that's a big, big lesson learned for me on that 32 unit. Yeah, that's great. And you got it done. You moved it forward. It was a great project. So good for you. And uh, what's, it, what's a focus or productivity hack that you could share? Um, yeah. So, I mean... As far as productivity, I mean, we always use, or I always use, you know, a calendar, uh, you know, if, if that's, you know, your question that you're the kind of answer you're referring to. Sure. Um, we always use calendars and, and um, you know, we have scheduled every single time, you know, so there's like blocks and you've heard it many times before, like people are saying it, but it, it really does help me uh, because if not, then you kind of, I kind of uh, tend to uh, drift off a little bit and I'm like, oh man, I need to get back on track, you know? So use a calendar and be, be strict with it, you know, and, and attack your, your, some of your toughest, you know, tasks, you know, earlier and get it out the way like that you'll, you'll feel much more accomplished throughout the day. Yeah, you're right. We do the same thing. And you know, you hear it a lot, but the second you put into action, you say, I don't want to live by a calendar, but the second you live by a calendar, you actually get your freedom back because you're not all over the place with these random tasks. So what's your greatest tidbit for success? Uh, greatest tidbit for success, um, I would say, you know, it's kind of going back to taking action, but also, um, you know, make sure that, um, you know, you, you, um, you know, don't be afraid, you know, like, you know, just really, it really isn't that, that difficult, I would say, you know, and I think a lot of people, they tend to make it a little bit more difficult than it has to be, you know, get, get educated, uh, you know, don't be afraid to take action. Um, awesome. and, um, and just, just go for it, you know, and, and, you know, you really have to want it, you know, and that's kind of going back to my very first point is you have to want it more than, um, than, than you're afraid to, uh, you have to be more afraid to fail than, than, than anything else. You know, that's, that's the way it is got to be. 
Juan, this has been an awesome show. So thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Just a ton of actionable steps here. Really just with the, the premise is that take action and you're going to face no's, but you just have to fight through the no's because you're ultimately going to get to that yes if you want the why bad enough. So, so Juan, for everybody listening, what's, what's the best way to reach out to learn more about you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so people can reach out to me I mean, uh, through my email. Uh, that's Juan at GenWealthCapital.com. Juan at GenWealthCapital.com. Um, I'll, I'm all over uh, social media as well. And, um, you know, you can send me a friend request um, as well or, or, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram or you know, whichever media platform you're on. Oh, this um, is awesome. Help, help, help out with, you know, and talk to other people as well. Cool. Well, Juan, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me and I, I appreciate it. It was, it was fun. Thank you so much. Awesome. And for everyone listening, thank you for checking us out. Of course, if you like what you hear, go give us a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We just want to hear from you. Tell us what you like. Tell us what we could do better. We want to make this show the best for you because you just got this killer show today and we want to bring you more like this. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.